Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Bit Effect. Today, we're talking about Bloodborne. So come, hunters, join us as we seek our prey. After all, a hunter must hoot. And with me to discuss, you could say my party of hunters, if you will, uh, with the saw spear, we have Craig. Hello. Oh. Hi. And with me on the boom hammer is my good friend Mike. Why I, Farver Gascoigne here. Beasts all over the shop. All over it. Alright, um, this is a special episode because this is this is a coming out party for Craig. This is his first Soulsborne game, and we decided it would be a lot of fun to talk about Bloodborne, so here we are. Really quick, Craig, give us your stats, then we'll go over some history, and then we'll talk some Bloodborne. Cool. So, Bloodborne is an action RPG developed by From Software, obviously, published by Sony Computer Entertainment, SCE for short, um, which is a lovely kind of like platform or console exclusive, which is nice. And then there's a lot of names here, so I'm going to try my best. So director is Hiditaka Miyazaki. Did I get that? Only halfway butchered. Okay, right, that's fine. Um, Produced and designed by people. uh, Programmed by Jun Ito. Is Is that good enough? Sure. Junji Ito. J- Jun- yeah, Junji Ito was on this one. Um, <laughs> can you imagine? Uh, composed by a lot of people, um, including Michael, Michael Wandmatcher. <laughs> I'm terrible. Great name. I'm terrible at this. Um, Just go and look at it. see why you picked it. I know, is, this, and- is this the same composer as the Dark Souls games? I um, well. don't know. I don't know. Never, I've never played. I'd probably guess so, but he, he, he weirdly enough did Shining Force Free if it's the same person. Mm. He also does um, a lot of Tales of stuff. Okay. Mm. Uh, I think yeah, he's oh, a Bamco yeah. guy. Anyway. Yeah. Released is, in 2015, across the world in March of 2015, which is just an epic time to be. Um, and yeah, that was an action role-playing game. And that's it for the stats. Go to Wikipedia and read if you want to read all of those names. All right, um, Craig, you just might as well start with your history as well. I don't see why not. Okay. Because I'm sure me and Mike have longer histories. Uh, probably. Although, but I, I can tell my history in a lot of words, but it's very little. So basically, I, uh, I've i always liked the look of Bloodborne. A couple of years ago, I went to an art exhibit about the the making of Bloodborne and all this kind of stuff. You know, the, an orchestra. And Splatoon. And Splatoon, yep. Um, <laughs> listen to the music, you know, like leafing through notebooks and stuff like that. And it was just the art style and everything about it always intrigued me. And it made my eyes go, oh, yeah, and my um, penis go up the way. Uh, but the thing that always stopped me from playing it was the fact that it's so difficult. Like, it's difficult. It's so difficult. And oh, my God. And I don't like difficult games. I'm not good at difficult games. So I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to get this. So uh, it it must have been on either it was on PlayStation Plus or I bought it on a sale. I don't know. And I started it ages ago, like like six months ago, a year ago, or something like that. And I kept on dying at the first, you know, like towns person that you come across. I was like, 
I keep on dying. I don't like this. So it got uninstalled and then I installed it again and I kept that died at the same point. So I uninstalled it. But it was always in the back of my mind. It's always intriguing. I, I always kept on trying it. So installed it again, only got to that person and maybe like killed one or two people, but then died. And it wasn't until a couple of months ago now, I, I suppose. I installed it and I started playing it and for some strange reason something about either my fingers or my brain or something changed and I managed to get all the way through to Father Gascoigne having killed the cleric beast. So I've killed the cleric yeah. killed the cleric beast and I found it most exciting when the see when you run up the bridge and you get to the cleric beast and the music kicks in, you're like, This is epic. Oh, and this, he jumps down from the roof. Yep. This is absolutely epic so you know like it took a couple of tries got the cleric beast and then i got to father gascoigne and on one evening i tried father gascoigne like seven or eight times and thought do you know what maybe maybe this isn't for me so i uninstalled the game that evening again and then (laughs) and then the next morning booted it up beat Father Gascoigne on the first go and just rolled with it ever since then. I don't know what happened, but it just clicked all of a sudden and it took that a massive amount of time and a massive amount of tries to actually get to that point. So that is my, what, three-minute history where I just basically say I, it took me ages to get into it. Yeah, and um, I got to watch Craig from what? Was it uh, The Witches of Hemlock? Mm-hmm on um he made me feel bad but we'll get to that later mike your history please oh um yeah yeah i never really knew too much of from software well i I was aware of him i'd seen armored core and stuff like that but uh i think i deeply got into it around demon souls when i stumbled across well i didn't stumble on it i knew it was going to be there in hong kong when i went there because i i didn't think it was going to be released nice in the uh in the uk um, so I saw it in Hong Kong in 2009, the first time I went there, weirdly enough, and uh, didn't pick it up. I decided to, like, I waited till I got home when I found out an American version was being released, and I imported that about two days before they announced a European release of Demon Souls. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I blasted through everything else since then, um, and I think Bloodborne's pretty much the key reason for getting a PS4 at launch, because I... I'm sure. I'm pretty certain we already knew it was on its way before the PS4 came out. If I remember right. Uh, or, yeah, it, it was. It was yeah. heavily marketed. If it wasn't before launch, it was like very close to launch of like new FromSoft game coming. I don't know if we remembered it was Bloodborne or not, but I knew we knew a, a exclusive yeah, FromSoft game was coming. Fun, didn't it have a funny name like Project Shadow or something stupid? I it was remember. Project Beast. If I oh, remember that's right. It. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Shadow of the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a terrible game but yeah <laughs> so uh yeah i i mean uh, it's not often that a cgi trailer sort of gets you straight i think there were a few leaks of it as well if i remember right i'm not 100 percent sure yeah there were bits and pieces there was like gifts floating around of like fog gates and yeah it was it was very well documented i guess before launch but uh i mean obviously as as anyone would i uh bought it day one and proceed according to my trophy list. I bought it day one, and I think it was about four days after it came out in America or something stupid. If I remember right, because um, I remember you getting a few trophies before me and going, "Oh God, well that's 
<laughs> and then, yeah. Um, yeah, I I finished it. I think April the fourth. It must have come out like March the twenty sixth or twenty seventh or something. And I completed it and uh, <clears throat> got almost all trophies. <laughs> um, what seven days later? So I was really into it. I, I played it pretty much every night, back to back. Um, if I remember right, it came roughly close to The Witcher 3 as well, which I didn't care too much for, but eventually ended up playing as the next game after this. But um, yeah, my priority at the time was Bloodborne. And uh, yeah, I spent a hell of a lot of time with it. So uh, it's, and of course I've spent not as much time this time, but we'll get to that later. Right, I um, My history with Souls is about as long and storied as Mike. Uh Needless to say, let's let's briefen it up a bit. Uh, I I did start with Armored Core, but I I never it never really clicked. Like, oh, these are the Kingsfield guys, right? Like, it never clicked. And so, when Demon Souls came out. I saw the trailer of like the dude in the fog with the lantern, and then man eaters, and then I'm like, wow, I'm playing that. And so I got that. I don't remember if it was day one, but to be honest, um, but I played it. I finished it, and I went ew. That was okay. It was janky. I didn't. I didn't really like it. Right. So I put it down, and a few years later, Dark Souls comes out, and I get Dark Souls and Skyrim at the same time. And this might be why I hate Skyrim <laughs> so much. <laughs> so I'm I'm sitting there and I'm playing Dark, and I do the, the the Souls thing when you're not into it. Right. You do what Craig did. You bounce off of it, and you're like, this game is awful. And so I started playing Skyrim, but Dark Souls was like peeling my brain. Right. It's like. Oh well, what if I what if I did, did this way? And so I was like, oh, screw Skyrim. We're gonna go back to Dark Souls. And after that, it's been like every new release is day one, every single one of them. Um, Bloodborne specifically, I had a lot of fun. Uh, I had a friend named John, and uh, hi John, if you're listening, uh, probably not, but whatever. And we were both super into Dark Souls two, and so we made uh, a kind of a pact, let us say. Of all right, Blood Bowl comes out or Blood Bowl. Oh boy, that's gonna happen a lot. <laughs> Bloodborne comes out. Day one, we're both getting it. Race to the platinum. All right, let's do it. Um, we were neck and neck up until about Bergenworth, and then he just slaughtered me. Just just kept going. Uh, and there might be a reason for that that we'll get into later. But um, yeah, I I, I finished. Pretty close to launch. Like, I, I haven't looked at my trophies. I don't know. But I did that thing with Souls where I always leave some things to do. Like, um, I'll play, I'll play, uh, you know, Artorius of the Abyss. But I'm, I'm going to get Mattis down to almost dead and then stop. And, and here I did that with Chalice Dungeons. I got to, like, Thumerian Queen and then stopped. Because, okay, I need a reason to come back to this. Because I'm the type of guy where if I have a Platinum, I find it very hard to justify playing a game. And so I had things left to do, and I kept coming back to it, and I never was feeling it just right, so I never wanted to do those trophies. And this time, I did. So I have my Platinum, I am done with Bloodborne for good, let's talk about it, and we'll see how each other feels. I am... So... Can I just can I just interject? Sorry, because you guys give your From Software backgrounds as well, and I just want to highlight... That I've started Dark Souls three three times and can't get by the first tutorial boss guy. Um, uh, Udix Gundir, yeah, I believe is the first um, boss. I just I have I've never tried. So it's on my to do list now that my brain is different. I'm going to try again. I I envy you, man, because 
Oh, that's that's like finding out. Wait, there's more than one Persona game. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, like that. That's got to be great. Um, okay, so I had a little bit of trouble structuring this episode because um, the in between is very rarely interesting to talk about. I mean, what are you going to say? So uh, there I was fighting this big old fly-eyed guy, and whoa, one came down from the left. You know, it's it's not super interesting to talk about. So the way I've structured this episode is we're going to kind of go by the uh, suggested walkthrough route, I believe on Fextra Life, because there's so many... This game opens up, and there's so many different mini directions you can take. Um, but we're going to follow the suggested order route and we'll talk about each area briefly and then we'll talk about the bosses because mm-hmm. I believe with Bloodborne and most of Souls, Souls is a little different, but most of the meat you're going to get to is the boss fights themselves. So, gentlemen, yes. biggest question, what was your weapon? Um, I started off with the um, Saw Spear, um, which was lovely. Okay. So good. That got me through to near the end. And then I moved on to Ludwig's Holy... Are you meaning for your first playthrough? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then I moved on to Ludwig's Holy Blade and never looked back. Okay. Yeah, I I went with the the Hunter's Axe, which got me through the entire game. Oh, really? You went a whole game Hunter's Axe? Yeah, it's not not what I played with the first time around uh, when I originally got the game. But for this playthrough, Hmm. I started a new character and went with the Hunter's Axe. And yeah. It did what it said on the tin. Very well. <laughs> it, it hunted and it was an axe. Um, with like like Mike, uh, I did. I go the hunter's axe up until Vicar Amelia, right? And then you can get to the DLC. So I ran into the DLC, did a few death runs, got me the whirly gig saw and uh. the minigun, and it's like I am good for the game. Uh, and that's that's what I did. Um, I I I know the whirly gig is a little overpowered, but I love that thing so much. I, it is so much fun. I couldn't use it. Like I I tried my best. I leveled it up. I just like I had enough vitality to L two into people's brains and stuff like that. I just couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> get on with it. But it wasn't to my taste. I suppose. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. So, like, everything for me from Vicar Amelia on to platinuming the game was yeah. nothing but the whirly gig. Just on, and the minigun, on, of course. On a weapons note, the, the, I've now established that the best starting weapon is the threaded cane. That can see you through an entire playthrough, and it's amazing. Oh, yeah, the threaded cane. Yeah. None, okay, well, let, let's explain what makes Bloodborne a little different than other Souls games, in case I highly doubt somebody's played Souls and not Bloodborne, mm-hmm. but just in case. Um... So, Craig, why don't you explain what makes the weapons special? Well, they're just they're special weapons. What do you mean, what makes them special? Like the type of damage or the stat I thought it'd be increases. kind of funny to have the guy that's never played a Souls game explain why it's different from Souls. I don't... Oh, okay. I could take a guess. Do you want me well, to go let, there? Let's, that's what I was going to say. Let's have Mike do that. Okay. Craig, you can explain the healing system, because that <laughs> is different. Thank fuck. Because <laughs> I, I don't know what's different. It's just... <laughs> So so what's unique here, and what a lot of reviews picked up on when they were saying Monster Hunter all over the place, is basically that you've got a you've got sort of switchable weapons which have alternate modes. You've got less weapons than the traditional Souls games, but each of them is a lot more special, really. You know, for example, my Hunter's Axe, it works nice with a pistol. But I can drop the ability to even have a hit of pistol and go double-handed, using it almost like a big, big massive double-handed long axe. Um, 
which also allows me extra options. You know, I've got the I've got the normal slice across and this sort of stabbing motion. I've got a larger one where I can do a huge overhead hit, and I've even got then my gun button turns into a like a you know like a, a surround move where I can sort of hit around me. Um, not only that, but you've also got chargeable hits off the back of that, which you can um, get a little shiny off, which make them a bit. Spin to win with the hunter's axe. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> no, no. Um, same goes for most of the weapons, but I didn't really get too much experience with them all. I, I did go back into my old old account to uh, do some further things, and notice the what do you call it? Box art one. I can't remember the name now. The that's just the the hunter's like the saw spear, or are you talking about? Yeah. The. Yeah, it's like a. Is, the, it, is that a saw spear? I thought that was. A, is that not separate to the? Or you, oh, you're talking about the shorter version of saw spear, where it's just like the hunter's. What is it called, Craig? The saw, saw, saw blade, cleaver. maybe. It's the cleaver. Okay, that's hmm. what I thought. Okay. So the saw blade, it's not as. It doesn't go as crazy, but it does have a few little alternate moves to it. All of which make all the weapons probably quite versatile, really. So, uh, yeah, that's the that's the USP in this case. Hmm. Anything more to add, uh, Dave? What did I miss? Uh, yeah, okay. So, missed a little bit. Uh, nothing major. But there, there, you uh, you can have a left-handed item, which is a ranged weapon of some kind. Uh, you can have a blunderbuss, a pistol, a repeating pistol, a minigun, a cannon. There's a bunch of stuff in here. Um, and whenever you generally transform your weapon, it goes from a one-hander to a two-hander. In the case of, like, the axe, like Mike said, it grows in length and becomes, like, a, a big fuck-off ha- uh, axe. Uh, sometimes, uh, like the saw spear, it unfolds, so now you have longer reach. Um, there are... Isn't the threaded cane turned to a whip? Yes. It's... Yeah, threaded, a threaded cane axe, like Ivy's weapon from Soul Calibur. Yeah, it turn, goes from a cane to a, this cool little notched whip. Depending on how you feel, like, like personally, I like the variety of Dark Souls weapons, but the sheer move set for each weapon like like mike was is kind of correct when he says there's so many different moves to come out of one weapon because you have this long list of moves and then you have another long list of moves you can do when it's transformed um bloodborne really tries to hammer into you you should have one weapon maybe two tops but you should become super familiar with this weapons because there's so many different moves you can pull out like, I'm and a, like you can you can combo them. You can switch between the two while doing moves, can't you? Yes, there there are trans- transformation attack. Like for example, uh, I'll just use the whirly gig saw because it's the best weapon in the game. Um, One handed, it's you're just holding the stem right, and it just looks like you're beating people to death with a really long torch. Like you just, and so it's blunt damage and it's quick. But then when you transform it, you get this this whirling pizza cutter on the end of it, right? And you can just just hold that into somebody and go all Texas Chainsaw on them. You can just swing away. Either way, it, the damage then changes. So um, some, let's say, monsters are weak to certain types. Or weak to fire, weak to bolt, weak to serrated edged weapons, weak to blunt weapons. So even within your weapons, you have different damage types. And then you get into blood gems and, well, you know, there goes the show. Um yeah, so so the weapons in this are not Dark Souls where you're like, okay, for this boss, I'm going to have a two-hander. Um, 
Zweihander, and then this one I'm going to have a club because it's divine. You don't really get into weapons for certain occasions. You very much get into one weapon for all occasions, but I know how to use it more fully. It's, um, it's super, like, this is the thing that got me was I ended up, it was on, like, New Game 6, using a different weapon every single time, and going from, like, the start, it's super exciting trying to figure out a, a weapon again. So I had, like, the Blades of Mercy for one, and I'm, like, sitting about swinging something, and I, I transform it to dual blades, and I'm like, yes, this is just, I'm in love again. And it feels like it refreshes the entire game to learn the weapon again. It's a very hackneyed way to put it, but it, it is almost like choosing your character in a fighting game. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean, to the point where if I change weapons, sometimes I find some bosses easier than others. And then if I switch that weapon again, it's, it's... And I guess the biggest thing that funnels you into one weapon is how the upgrade system works. Uh, the upgrade system is not near as friendly as a Souls game normally is. So like uh, Craig, for example, since you don't know mm -hmm. Souls, imagine, you know how when to get to plus 10, you need a blood rock. Yeah. Right? In this, you get, like, what, maybe two? Yeah, yeah. If you're super thorough, in, in Souls, you'd be getting, like, seven or eight of them. So you can just oh, wow. constantly be uh, changing weapons, like, oh, hey, I feel like this. This looks cool. Ah. Um, this is, the upgrade items are very sparse if you want to max them out. They give you enough, like, twin blood shards to be like, okay, I'm going to try this weapon, see if it yeah. deserves having a blood rock used on it, but... It's not one where you can have like six plus ten weapons in nah. one playthrough unless you hit those those abominations known as the Chalice Dungeons. Yeah. You can go um, to plus seven. Right, well, you can get a heap to plus seven. It's the plus eight, yeah. nine, and ten. It's just... Nope. Especially plus ten. Plus ten, isn't there mm -hmm. only a couple of them in the entire game? It, yeah, yeah. There's, there's only, I believe, two through a story playthrough. Yeah. Unless you hit the Chalice Dungeons. Um, Craig, why don't you explain how healing works in this? Yeah, so like healing, as far as I'm aware, okay, there's two, there's two, there's two different kinds of healing, and I don't know how this differs from a Dark Souls game, so I'll just roll with it and explain how it is. You have a health bar, you have HP when you level up, you get more HP when you get hit, you lose some HP. Um, the two big things here for me are you can carry twenty plus, depending on what you know, like things you've got equipped you can runes yeah. uh, carol carol runes carol carol oh my goodness it's carol i think i think your pronunciation actually works for this does one, it right uh, yes and so <laughs> anyway you have blood vials so you can collect and use consumable blood vials to um raise your hp at any point it like dependent on where you are in the game it could mean a full health bar or it could mean a you know like a third of a health bar as well as that, it, it works off of percentages. Yeah, it, it's it's chunky anyway because you can use two or three and get like full health back again, which is nice. Yeah. On top of that, if you take damage, there's a small window of time where your HP bar does not decrease, and you can get back in attack. And if you land a few hits, you gain back the HP that you've lost. I don't know what the technical term for that is. You know, it's very aggressive. It's called a regain system. There you go. It's called a regain system. It's a bit like what you get for your hair if you're losing your hair. I was just going to make that <laughs> joke. <laughs> oh, my God. So between regaining hair 
or health and being able to heal yourself it's very it's very good at doing what it needs to do the two the two methods of regaining health if you're at half health you've got to make a snap decision are you going to go in and attack to gain some of your health back or are you going to back off and a lot of the times the game is very fast and frenetic and and like viscerally hard that you don't get much breathing space so it's a gamble to back off and heal because with something someone like father gascoigne he's gonna be right up your hoop and killing you oh yeah before you even have a chance to heal so the healing like in pace terms maybe takes two seconds from when you press triangle to when you jab yourself in the leg with the wee syringe and that two seconds is a heap of time when you're in the midst of a fight um so it's just so fast and visceral that it becomes an extra thing to think about unless you don't get hit like i like just don't get hit is the other option shut up craig what I went through 600 and something blood vials this run. How can you... Uh, I had... I'll explain later. I had 600 in my box by the end. And she's like, did you have all these blood vials? <laughs> um, the, way, the way Dark Souls differs from this, and I'm sorry to keep comparing it, but it, it, it is worth noting, because that's what makes Bloodborne special and unique. Um, Dark Souls at... Let's use blood burn terminology. At every lamp, you're given 20 uh, blood vials. And then that's it. Once you're out, you're out until you stop at another lamp. So the good thing is, well, on a boss run, if you keep losing to a boss, you're not going to have to go, ah, crap, I got a farm. Like, I much prefer that here's your 20 healing potions until the next time you get to a bonfire. Rather than the... Well, you can make this run and pick up 45. Uh, you can't hold them all, but you can store them. And, it, like, there were there were a couple bosses, like, um... Ebriatus. <clears throat> uh, um, sneakily stole all of my blood vials. I don't know how it happened, but it did. And walking into Ebriatus with four blood vials is terrifying. Do you know what's funny? Just Ebriatus-wise, huh. I pronounced Ebriatus, Ebriatus, up until today... When I actually looked, and it's Ebritas. There's no A in the middle of the name. <laughs> there's no A. It's no, there's an E. It's E-B-R-I-E, Ebriatus. It's just Ebritas. I've heard people say Ebritus, too. Ebritus, that that's the one. Ebritus. Anyway, um, so are you saying, right, just to get this clear, because this, this is make or break time, you land at a bonfire... You have to get to a boss, and when you get to that boss, if you've got 15 blood vials, we'll call them, left, if you use yeah. them all at that boss and you go back to the same bonfire, you get 20 again. It's yes. not like you start with zero. Uh, the way the way Souls games work is, when at the beginning of the game, you get five. Mm-hmm. And every time you stop at a bonfire, that five refills. As you progress into the game, it will go from 5 to 10 to 15 to 20. And by the end of the game, you generally have 20. There are some ways to get more than 20, uh-huh. but the difference, generally the, you... The difference, though, is that you, when you get the Estus Flask in Dark Souls games, you get free refills when you go to the bonfire. Yeah. But in Bloodborne, you always work off your supply. So if you have 200, oh, okay. you're going to take 20 out when you next come. Yeah, yeah imagine unlimited point. supply of blood vials every time you stop at a Right, lamp. okay. 
but, you but can, less. Right, um, but you can't. You're not less. picking them up on the way. It's not. No. Right. So, so, um, I I think that leads to more fun boss encounters because they will always know. Okay, you will always have at least blank blood, uh, blood uh, Estus charges by this point or blood vials. So we know. Okay, let's design this boss so you could feasibly beat it easily with five Estus flasks, as opposed to well, they might have twenty four blood vials. Let's ratchet up the difficulty a little bit. Like I, I feel like that's definitely a thing Bloodborne does. Um, in terms of other mechanics, what what sets this apart would be the rune system. Um, in Dark Souls, a lot of what the runes do would be rings. So you you would have you know two to four ring slots, and you know you put a ring on, and it doubles your. Uh, equip capacity so you can wear heavier stuff or it, it makes you you know like what the hunter's bone does in this Craig if you use it it changes to where your dodge is not you quickly moving you disappear reappear oh I take it nobody else used it is that the weird green thing greenish looking thing no it just looks like a bone it, it, it's oh. something you need arcane to use but yeah huh. I've never used it <laughs> okay um, so well for people who know uh, things like the Chloranthi ring, things like, um, you know, the ring of steel protection, that stuff isn't in here. Um, but a lot of the blood gems are now relegated to plus 20% damage against beasts, uh, adds five bolt damage to your weapon. Those kind of things to where in dark souls, you go to a blacksmith and you're like, all right, I want a lightning weapon. And then like, tink, 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 here's your lightning weapon. Um, here it, it's a way to customize your weapon. So you have the same move set. But there's just different effects. Um, I've heard some people swear by customizing your blood gems depending on where you are. And to me, that always seems like a giant hassle. So I kind of just go with, eh, more damage. That's fine. Um, so yes, a, a lot of things Dark Souls players will be familiar with that would happen with rings. Uh, a lot of them have been scooshed over to Carol runes and runes in general. Um, you can find runes. You get runes from killing certain bosses. You just acquire them through the game. Um, the last thing that makes Bloodborne unique would be insight. All the little eyeballs on the inside of your brain. Um, as your character goes and sees either horrific things or things that um, have you could get an epiphany from or seeing a new boss or whatever, you gain insight. Um, insight can do a couple of things. Uh, the base things it does is you can use it as a currency at the bath messengers, which are adorable little critters. Or, uh, not spoiling, it can change your surroundings. Um, certain bosses and certain enemies will start using new attacks if you have a high insight. Um, sometimes even the, the physical design of enemies will change if you have higher insight. Really? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, like um, here's an that. example. I was gathering madman's knowledge like no man's business. I ended up with, <laughs> like a madman <laughs> with eight, um, eighty plus of them, and I was like, going, "Oh god!" Like for example, the you know the when you leave the cathedral ward and there's those guys with the lanterns and the sticks and the hats that mm. kind of look like Amish people. Um, their lantern will change to be this giant eyeball with all these little eyeballs on it, and they'll start shooting magic attacks at you if you have yeah. high insight. Um, well you'll be able to see the amygdalas super early if 
you have high insight. Um, I, I could go down a list of boss moves, but I'm not too familiar with what it changes because I kind of just keep low insight. It makes things nice and easy for me because high insight also has the detriment of making you super vulnerable to frenzy. And frenzy is the worst thing that man has ever created. Yeah. So generally low insight for me is better. Yeah, like I'd never seen it really before, but I, I think it was this playthrough where I read something. I was like, I was nearly finished finishing up, and it said, if your insight goes over fifteen, enemies are going to get significantly stronger. And I was like, oh god, <laughs> they, <laughs> they don't get they don't, they don't get, get, they get yeah. stronger. They change. I think yeah. a good example. The first time I ever noticed it was those Amish people, and there was someone shooting at me. Like, you go over a bridge and there's someone shooting at you when you hit 15, 16, 17 insight or whatever. When you go 15 plus, that's when I noticed it because I normally just ran up to the person and stabbed them. But when I hit 15 insight and ran up to the person and went to stab them, they pulled a knife out and they'd never pulled a knife out before. Like, I'd done this like 15, 20 times. They never pulled a knife out and then they did. And I think, Dave, I must have messaged you and I was like, things are changing. You know, like something's yeah. It's good. It's good. I I love it. I kept a high insight as well, just for the sake of it. I there is nothing in this game that I hate more than those winter lanterns, <laughs> and so anything that helps me knock them suckers out mm-hmm. easier, uh, that I'll, I'll do yeah. it. Um, like like uh, not spoiling areas, but Murgo's Loft. You know where you have to kind of go through that area, and there's like four of them. Like, that's when I'll go back to the Hunter's Journey and put on a Frenzy Resist stuff okay. and then go do it. You could just kill them. Are you talking about the bit with all the stones around you and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and there's three of them in close proximity and then you have that fourth one inside. Um, I think that's enough on in terms of what makes Bloodborne unique from Souls. There are other little things it does, like, you know, you don't have things like Curse. You still have things like Poison. It... it it would be a little monotonous to be like, and this is different. Yeah. Because I would like to do a Dark Souls game at some point, especially if we can convince Craig to to, to play one. Uh, if not, we'll do Neo. And, well, we all know how that'll go. <laughs> um, so I think we've, pre- we've pretty much mentioned it in some ways, but I think the main real difference is just the the scene of it, isn't it? So, Well, the scene and the speed. This game is so fast. Like, I mean, later on, Sekiro will make this look piddly and slow, but Bloodborne is fast. Like, to a Souls player, think zippier than Demon Souls. Like, it is close to Devil May Cry level fast. Um, And how did you guys get on with that? Because this is what I struggle with the most. As, as a person with a bad left hand for shield blocking... <laughs> this, this is right up my alley. I always, if you you give me a shield, I will forget to use that sucker until until it's my last option. To be honest, um, although saying that, I'm not an amazing parry expert, <laughs> so, um, so <laughs> it's a it's a good mix. This is right up my alley. This is this is exactly what I wanted because I don't want to be blocking everything. I don't want to be you know just looking for that window and stuff. I I like to be on someone's back, even if it's not like, you know, even if I'm not making much much attack, you get a satisfaction from hitting things, don't you? So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You know, 
it's 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 got that forward flow to it and it it definitely works it definitely um it definitely gives it a new sort of lease of life and just have having that gun as an extra extra little thing just to tick over and give you some sort of parry opportunity is is quite quite a nice cool touch and definitely something you miss when you when you have a double-handed hunter hunter's axe so yeah, yeah um i have like design problems with parry but we'll get not parry sorry uh what, what do they call it blood, in this? Blood tenge, well not blood tenge then well that's the, the stat, attacks. Like, i think it's nope visceral attacks are like backstab uh let's just call them interrupts uh, use yeah. a gun to interrupt oh yeah. uh, i have design problems with that but we'll get to that later um I'm very different than Mike. I'm the man who enjoys that sword and board block encounter kind of gameplay. That That's what I enjoy in every soul. Well, okay, pretty much every game. If I can have a shield in every game, including Monster Hunter, yeah, let's do it. I, I enjoy that back and forth that a shield allows me. Um, the shield item in this game actively makes fun of you if you want to use it. So I'm just going to not. Um, yes, I find this super difficult because of that. Uh, this, this is the Souls game that yanks me out of my comfort zone and then just laughs at me when I sit there fumbling. Um, Craig. Yes. You. Yeah. How, how do you feel about the, the speed of this? I, I quite like the speed. I like the speed. I like not having to sit and block and think. It's more... It feels more fluid. So it's, you just, like, dodge, dodge, hit, blah, 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 blah. Like, dodge something if it's coming and hit if you're not dodging works for me because it just feels automatic like if if i hate you for that if someone's throwing a punch at you you're gonna dodge out of the way you you're not just gonna stand there and go ah oh, yeah just hit me you're gonna move well if you have high enough motor stats, sure <laughs> i don't uh <laughs> uh no yeah I, I don't know what it is. There's just something about me. It's like uh, whenever there's an archer available, I go archery. If if there's ever uh, you know sword and board, I go sword and board. It's just my playstyle. I like more taking it slow, analyzing, and then doing it without putting myself at risk. The I might take me a long time to kill you, but you ain't killing me. Kind of approach. Yeah. Like how I play E Honda, Mike. <laughs> I like that approach. Um, I don't want to know. <laughs> um so i'd say what do you guys do we have any more basics we want to bring up or should we crack right into the areas oh well what about the background of why you're in the place you're in are we going to do that or i was going to do that towards the end okay. that way we can put up a, a spoiler okay we're going to talk about the story briefly okay if you know um if if some things come up through the natural course of it that's fine but i'm, I'm not going to just like I figured, well, well, should we get into the aesthetics of this first? Of like what it looks like, what it sounds like? Because that's very different too. That was pretty much what I was going to say was one of the main differentiating points. So that would have been logically next on the list. Okay, sure. Okay. Well, yeah. um, Mike, why don't you start us up then? Okay, so um, yeah, when revealed, this game appeared to take on a more sort of like gothic tone. The whole sort of like London streets and sort of Jack the Ripper sort of thing going on. Uh, along with a, a little bit of a Resident Evil 4 mixed in, just for uh, shits and giggles, I guess. Um, that's not actually really the entirety of the game, but it's a good starting point. And uh, yeah, I think it, I think that was the first point that you went. Well, this it definitely isn't a uh, you know a Dark Souls series game. Not a piece of armor to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, well, that's that's the cool thing. It's not about Dungeons and Dragons and stuff this time, is it? Really, it's it's more about no. It's very different. Um, I'll I'd like to save the bait and switch for later on in the episode. We'll talk about the bait and switch that it does. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, you're I right. Mean, I think a lot of people say it's all about werewolves and stuff to start off with, really, and it's like, uh... well, that was all the material in the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um. And then, you know, you, you see the guys at the bonfire and they're all like sort of werewolfed out a little bit with the hair protruding everywhere. And you're like, oh, OK, I know what I'm in for. Um, the game does change later on. and You don't know what you're in for. But I wouldn't yeah, say that. Like, like, uh, I know I don't want to jump ahead and ruin things, but I wouldn't say that's as big a huge switch over. It sort of like comes in bits and bob, bobs here and there, doesn't it? It's not like a massive. Um, I would s- scene change. I'd say, I don't know. You start suspecting things by the time you hit, like, the Forbidden Woods and you see, let us say, our blue friends and you're like, what is that? Because everything up until that point Mm. has been very animalistic. And then you see that and you're like, I have no idea what that thing is. Yeah. Um, It it is something you could probably piece together if you're being, like, super attentive but I wasn't because I was just terrified that Snake Man was going to eat me again. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, how do you feel about the aesthetics? Like, I, I really dig the Edwardian, uh, London Industrial Revolution feel to this. It, it's, not too many games take place in this era. I really, I mean, it's not real, but tricorner yeah, hats and long coats are everywhere. It's not normally my, so, it's not normally the sort of scene which I'm, I'm not massively into that whole sort of, that's aesthetic, I guess. It's sort of like, you know, I, I, I have trouble with certain periods of time, like like the Tudors. I don't know. They just look like it twats. <laughs> that's kind of like... Yeah, lots of armor, lots of swords, <laughs> lots of posturing. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's a, there's something funny. It just gets under my skin a little bit. But in this case, I think they chose, they chose. you know, I mean, as, as you'll see from Sekiro later, they've jumped around a bit here and there now. But it's sort of like, as a new sort of bold direction, it felt quite... Felt quite logical. It felt like a good step forward, especially knowing it was like a, you know, a little bit more experimental, being an exclusive to. Well, I mean, you could say the same for Dark Demon Souls and stuff, but um, you know, it just felt felt a bit, bit like they were sort of like just testing the waters of what else can we do and sort of like embracing oh, yeah. it fully. I, I think for the type of horror story this is trying to be, they picked the perfect timer. And if if you're having a little bit of trouble picturing it, think steampunk without any of the steam goggles, scarves, and, and airships. Like, everything that makes steampunk steampunk, take that out and just leave the time era. And that's about what you got. I think, though, we we do have to say the, the sort of... I, I mean, I playing it again this time, I was especially thinking it's just like Resident Evil 4 vibes all over. You know, it's that same sort of color tone. and well, Especially for Forbidden Woods. If you had a bit more blue instead of the brownish sort of thing to Resident Evil Four, that's that's like there's a hell of a lot there to you know say is very similar. Um, the only thing we're missing is some guy making cracks about bingo. <laughs> once we hit the Forbidden Woods, and and then yeah, it would. Um, all right, uh, Craig, yes. what about you? Like, like does does this time period do anything? The aesthetics? Do oh, anything it, for you? it does. Like that's what. A lot of what kept me coming back to it was the way it looked. Like, for example, you brought up the Forbidden Woods there. When I hit the Forbidden Woods, 
I didn't like it as much. I missed being in the town. I oh really? Yeah, I missed running up and down. St- it, it, like the architecture of the place, it's very Victorian. It's very very brutal. But when you're trying to run about the place, it's like a one-dimensional M.C. Escher painting. You're not going upside down, but you've got no fucking idea where those stairs go because those stairs over there go somewhere else. Like, the the way it's laid out is very chaotic and nice. So when... I think it's laid out for good mm-hmm. reason that way. Oh, yeah. Like, like it fits in with the themes. Oh, absolutely. 100%. But when you hit the Forbidden Woods, that kind of felt like a wee side area when you hit Canehurst Castle you're like ah oh, I'm in a castle that was could have probably been DLC not that I don't like them but I, I, like when you hit Bergenworth as well you're you're in like ah there's a school there and some seaside and stuff like that the the core of it the guts of it were in the town and it's and and in Old Yarram as well it's it's where it yeah, really yeah where Old Yarnum goes on to the like the bloodletting beast, just yeah. that, that bit alone, that's that's quite iconic to me. It sort of feels like, you know, you get pretty much like a a ghouls and ghosts level condensed yeah. into a little area and you're sort of going, oof. It's, it's really good. Oh, really? So like Yarum, Old Yarum, Yargul as well is another one where it, it has that same feel to it. Those are the, the, what, the places that make it for me. The Forbidden Woods is like the token, you know, like sewer level. And a, f- a first person shooter. It's just like as I would. Oh really? Yeah. Now see, I can't get a Yarnum fast enough. I want to get to Hemwick Charnaline. I want. I want to get to Forbidden Woods and Murgo's Loft. I. Those are the places I like. I don't like Yarnum as much. But I we'll felt talk like about I'd that. I've seen that windmill so many bloody times. I, did, I don't know. I don't uh, know why. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Um. Well, let's see, windmills, they, they factor into Dark Souls 2 quite heavily. Um, How come? Like, is that a thing? Sorry, I'm, I'm going to ask questions. Yes. So that's, that's like it. It's, it's not like a story thing. It's just there's a play, there's an important windmill okay. in Dark Souls 2. Like, you're running through a whole area and up on the horizon is a giant windmill where you're heading. Okay. So, like, maybe they just like windmills really good. I mean, um, it looks cool. It's, it's oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot less substance there than you think there'd be, though, weirdly. Is this from software's lighthouses? It's just lighthouses all the way down and all the way across. <laughs> there's always there's always a windmill. There's always a windmill. And there's always a monster. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the last thing I want to touch before we get into it is the music. Um, I am a sucker for Dark Souls music. I love the bombast. I think with uh, if you played any of these boss fights for the first time without that that music where the horns just come in screeching oh, and, yeah. and you're like, oh jeez, it's a boss. Um, I don't think they would work near as well with that shock and awe. And FromSoft loves bosses to have either shock and awe or sad dignity. Uh, that's kind of the two sides of the coin that they use. Very rarely is it just, I don't know, here's a boss, whatever. Um Bloodborne pulls away from Dark Souls music a little bit and there's a lot more strings, a lot more haunting melodies in this, the tracks than there is in Souls. Souls is much more think knights in armor. Um, out of curiosity, Craig how or, and Mike, you too. Uh, how do you feel about not having music in the levels and only in the boss fights? I think it's epic. It's like an epic choice. Um, as I say, like... 
when I first played it and played it and played it, I probably played it for hours and hours and hours without hearing a note. And then, said already, the the cleric beast and the music rises up and comes in. It makes, to me, like now the the town, the townspeople, wherever you're going, all the mobs, you just slice your way through them or you run through them. It makes the bosses the epic battle that it should be, you know, like like rising choruses and everything going on. It feels like those are the main events. And it, it the lack of music everywhere else makes you focus on that boss fight. Well, plus, I, I think it allows sound design to come out more because, like, uh, let's take, for example, on, on the streets of Central Yarnum where, you know, you just killed all those guys around the bonfire, but there's that brick troll over there mm-hmm. and he's just banging on the door yeah. and you're like, what is that? Um, I, I think it allows them to do interesting things like uh, the Winter Lantern singing, and you can't hear them if there was music playing. Um, I, I did out of curiosity the the shock and awe of new boss and just music and it's huge and you're just like I don't know what to do. Did that ever wear off for you, or is that something that hits new every boss? Um, hits new every boss, and like I, I said before, I did new game up to six. And, like, spoiler for final thoughts, I've been online and fought, like, another 50-plus bosses co-op. It never gets old. It, like, never gets old. Ever. There is something really cool about you and another hunter walking in together. Uh-huh. And blam! It's, it's like, ah, oh, this is good. It, the, and, no, that's totally final thoughts, so I'll just not say anything else. Someone else talk. Um, Mike, what about you? Um, are you still a fan of that, or is this trick starting to get a little old for you? I think it didn't... I mean, when you were saying that to me then, I was thinking, like, do I remember there being that much, apart from, like, the campfire, or, like, you know, Firelink, Firelink Shrine sort of things, do, do I remember there being much music going on? <laughs> I thought, I'm not sure I remember. It might just be because, I'm oh, wow. in, because I've got kids now, and I, I don't get to listen to things that... Max volume, or decent enough volume to actually hear things properly anymore. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, yeah, I like, I could still probably hum Gwyn's theme and, like, Ornstein and Smo. Yeah, yeah. And, well, that, they're Jula boss themes. And, they're yeah. all boss themes. I don't remember anything in between too much. Well, that's what I'm saying. Around. Like, there, there is no music in between. I mean, there's special areas like Shrine of Amana, but, like, in Bloodborne, there's nothing in between until you go to Hunter's Dream. And Hunter's Dream has a little tinkly... Uh, soundtrack behind it i think yeah it adds as well it adds to the horror like just in general it just adds to the quiet trepidation and wondering about unknown what's going on and then something massive comes in and music like oh god i'm saying the same thing again but fuck it it's great it's good no i know what you mean yeah i don't think the highs of like demon souls or the first dark souls were in here you know I, i think I didn't get that fully. I did like all the sort of like chime noises and sort of like, you know, the in, um, the interrupt sort of noises. Uh, all the sound effects were cool across the board in there. Oh, yeah. But I didn't really... I don't know. There wasn't any one boss where I went, oh, that theme, I've got to I've got to play that back again sometime when I get the opportunity. It's, it's ace. They were ace. Okay. They were ace, but there were none which was like just stuck in my head forever, really. 
that, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I, on the sound design front, oh yeah, like like when you use a serrated weapon on a beast, it's got this like somebody just hucked hamburger against the yeah. wall sound to it. Oh, it sounds so good. Yeah. Even the like Mike, as you say, the interrupt noise, you get that right. You take a shot. The punch that it gives you to go in and take like the cladin. Oh, it's it's good. It's really good. Um. Anyway. Uh, okay. So you know what we have. We have explored all the generalities. There's probably more we could talk about, but we're trying to keep this one to one episode. Um, so let's start with all right, going down the list. We have Central Yarnum. This is where you start. Uh, like like they were saying, very Edwardian. Uh, you start in Victorian. the clinic. I don't know how you pronounce that name. Eosefka. Eosefka. There we go. Yeah, Yosefka. Uh, yeah, I was starting like like we're the first area with bosses. I was going to come back to the clinic later when you go in okay. and you do the. No, stuff. I just thought it was. I thought it was cool because that was one of the. I mean, we'll get to it later, but it's it's. Let's just say that's where we start, and then it, then we can come back to it. Because you don't yeah, okay. really do much there. You just see a blocked door. You speak to someone behind a door, and you think that's pretty much it. And this is where, for some reason, we start the journey. Um, uh, you yeah. get blood ministrations. Yes, so uh, Central Yarnum. This, I think, for me, having played it, I believe, like Craig, I probably completed it seven or eight times. This is the, all right, come on, let, let's just get to the good stuff. Come on. Like, th- for me, this is um, something to be conquered quickly. I don't enjoy Central Yarnum anymore, but man, when I first saw this, who boy, this was good. Like, um... Just little things like climbing up the ladder and then hearing the cleric beast scream behind you, and you're like, "What was that?" Uh, you, you know, um, to the nicely done enemy encounters of everybody around the bonfire. Because I tend to run in a swinging, and when you run in a swinging, you tend to get your face shot off. Uh, this this was very much the first. No, Dave, take it slow. Um, how do you guys feel about Central Yarnum? There's a really cool like procession thing going on as well. It seems like everyone's going towards a point and things. And I hate to drag Resident Evil into it again, but that's the exact same first bloody cutscene thing, isn't it? Where you look <laughs> down and you see them all around a fire, and you go, "Oh God, what's happening there?" And there's, 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 yeah, I mean, you get little crows appearing out of nowhere. You get the big giant thing, which you think's impossible the first time you come across it, unless you Craig, most likely. Um, <laughs> you know, oh, what the executioner. The the one banking on the door. I'm not sure. Is that are they called that? Oh, oh, the brick troll. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. Um, everything's going on here. People in wheelchairs going about. <laughs> so, oh, that guy! I just, love that guy so much. <laughs> it's, it's just madness, isn't it? And then people speaking out of windows, and you're going, "Oh God, what is going on here?" I feel like a bit of a voyeur. Why am I talking to someone through their window? And why are they talking back to me? That's the more worrying thing. But yeah, I mean, it, it's all starting off. Hello, Hunter. We don't like your kind, all that sort of stuff. And it's it's all a really, really well developed little world that you pop into straight away, and this sort of like solidifies it. It's just yeah, you want to get through it quick because you're like, it's a lot of enemies for a starting area. What's happening? Um, mm. um Mike just reminded me, and then Craig, sorry, you can talk. But yes, this is also the first Souls game where enemies talk to you. And that is strange. Well, they're all like, oh, get them, and you get out of here. You, you know, it's like, oh, 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 okay, so you're people. So what What um, do they say otherwise? Like, in, Most times in Souls, 
they look at you, give you the old stink eye, and then stab you in the face. Oh, okay. And, and you're dealing with a lot more creatures in Souls games. And, like, Dark Souls 3 uh, ups it a little bit because that came after Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. But 1, 2, Demon Souls, they generally don't talk to you because they're all some kind of monster. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But yeah, Fair sorry. Enough. Go ahead. And uh, me, now, on this first area. Yeah. Um, like, not too over-egg it. As Mike said, they're, they're, everyone's in a bit of a procession. I don't think of it like Resident Evil 4. I think of it more like Lemmings. Everyone's walking towards the same place. Um. It was a joke. I don't actually think of it like lemons. I, I, I really this area super, super, super makes me feel nostalgic because, as I said in the intro, I spent seven, eight, nine attempts trying to get through this. You know, like just even killing one person was an epic moment at one point. Like, like, no joke. And then, you know how if you, if you go up the ladder and then you head down to the main street, double back and then turn left, and there's a brick, not a brick troll, but there's someone rounding a corner that was like four or... F- yeah, the execution yep. of the guy with the big old axe. Yep. Yeah, that guy smacks me down every time because I get way too cocky. Yeah, like four or five attempts, kill him. Great. It, it really... It, it, it introduces a lot. I love the brick trolls because the brick trolls are the people that teach you how to parry. They're like proper. Oh, absolutely! Like there's a f- two or three second window to shoot them, and everything builds up. In my mind, everything builds up to that Father Gascoigne fight. So I now looking back think it's a fantastic intro area. It does teach you a lot. It also teaches you the birds are the worst thing in the world and don't let them scream Mm -hmm. because it's terrifying. Um, We'll talk about the horror aspect of this game later on if if you're waiting on that, but uh, we want to keep things kind of streamlined right now. One last last note was um, this does dissolve the rust. So having played the game originally in what, 2015 was it? Yeah, Coming back to it in 2021, I, I... embarrassingly died so many times that I almost gave up on doing the podcast and this basically shook the rust off me because I thought oh god I've lost it and my old age has crept up and I can't play this game anymore I was wrong I thought oh crap I still don't have it (laughs) (laughs) I don't know um, but, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Th- this is a very good intro level. It teaches you a lot of things. Like Craig said, it teaches you parrying. It teaches you will be fighting more than one person at a time. It it teaches you to backstab when that big brick troll, not big troll, uh-huh. brick troll is there banging at the door. If you sneak up on them, you can backstab them. It teaches you how visceral attacks work. Um, the werewolves are a great use of, okay, let me draw one out. This teaches you a lot without any tutorials at all. It also teaches you never to count old men in wheelchairs out. They are always a threat. Kill them whenever you see them. So if you're lucky, and not like Dave or a lot of other people, you first run into the Cleric Beast. How does he feel for a first boss, guys? At the the point where, and this, this flipped for me towards the end, but I was having trouble with the mobs and the people, and, and and by the time I got to the cleric beast, I was knackered. I spent so long getting there, and then he just fucking goes down because all you do is dodge and hit him in the bum. You like literally as you do for ninety percent of the bosses in this entire game. You dodge and you hit them in the bum, and 
that, the adrenaline from that and the relief and everything from that is probably one of the greatest gaming moments I've ever had. It took so long to get to that point that I just thought, do you know what? I don't even really like the design of you. You're on the end of a bridge and you're just a big guy and I'm just hitting you and blah, blah, blah. He's not doing anything special, but he's teaching you how to deal with a big guy. You know, like big guys are going to jump and pounce and do all these things. So, oh, see, I, I think he's he's here to teach you something super specific, and I wonder if you guys hit it at all. Um, he's here to teach you about limb damage and how you can cripple limbs. Like, so, so you guys just do the the Dark Souls one hundred and one, get around the ass, and then smack him. If you target his arms or or his head when it's down, you know how you get that like splash of blood everywhere, and then it breaks, and they stagger. He's super easy to do that to, and you can actually damage all four of his limbs, and he slows down a tiny bit, but you can also visceral attack him right in the head when that happens. For me, th- this has always been a um, a practice in, okay, time to target each limb without lock-on. Uh, up until the one reborn, I didn't know you could do limb damage, and I think it's because you told me you could do limb damage. I just, <laughs> I didn't know it was a thing. Oh, for for me, that's like the key to beating some things like amygdala. Like like it, without that, ugh, that would that would really suck. Um, okay, that's that's fair enough. Uh, yeah, Clark Beast. I once you get over the initial whoa big boss, like everything after him, I, I think makes him look pathetic. But that's fine. He, it serves his purpose as a first boss. Plus, the music is epic. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the one that sticks out for the game. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, the one that sticks out for the game for me, and even coming every time I played through this, there was always that, oh no, I'm going to have to fight Papa G. I don't want to fight Papa G. Father Gascoigne, out of every single boss in this game, terrifies me the most. This dude is relentless. So Mike, why don't you explain Father Gascoigne? So Father Gascoigne is the first lookalike hunter that you come across. Um, and he pretty much comes out the gates. You know, uh, he's rich and he's like digging or something, isn't he? Like, a uh, no, he's he's thing. butchering a corpse. Oh, like, there's a beast there. He's just butchering <laughs> it. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. He come he comes at you, and um, he's pretty much doing the same things. Although you're getting stuck on grave gravestones, and he's getting stuck on gravestones. <laughs> so it's a bit of a a bit of a sort of weird shoe shuffle for a bit. Um, he's shooting at gravestones too uh, he's hitting gravestones and then finally once he gets past the gravestones he starts kicking your head in so oh, he does um, but uh yeah it's it's quite a tough sort of thing because you're seeing what moves you've got but used against you at which point you suddenly think oh i don't he's a bit better at this than i am um <laughs> but once you once you muscle through that then you find out the reality which is that He's been doing it at a quarter speed all that time, and he's about to—he's about to turn into a werewolf and absolutely rip you a new one. So, um, oh yeah, he hulks out like crazy. Yeah, yeah, he's a—he's a bit of a nightmare. I think the first phase not the worst if you take it sort of like quite smoothly, sort of got predictable-ish sort of free hit patterns. But then when when he goes into beast mode, you just run. Run, 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 
get what what you can. I don't know. I don't know any other tactics, but it's got me through somehow. <laughs> yeah, there's the pounce. There's that 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 pretty cool kick. There's there's just he just face plants you. Um, I I'm not a huge fan of hunter fights. I don't like them. I think they're boring in terms of like design. Um, and 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 in Bloodborne, I sort of have the problem of hey, he carries way more bullets than I do. That's not fair. Like, like I would prefer if 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 you could use a strategy of okay, I'm gonna dodge so he empties his gun and then go in and he can't parry me because this is also the first boss that can just straight up visceral attack your face off, and he will do it plenty of times. Um, this even now, this one where I platinum the game, Gascoin took the most tries. Like, there's something about this guy that just puts me on edge in terms of. I get too twitchy with my dodge and I'll dodge too soon or I won't, I'll heal before I should, you know, you know, things like that. I uh, don't know what it is about him, but he's terrifying. Uh, Craig, how did you deal with Papa G? Um, so like the first, so this was the guy that like seven attempts and then on the eighth attempt to got him, it was dodging about the gravestones and like generally just hitting him. I didn't at this point, I was, there was no parries. It was just blind luck and dodging um now it's like in parry kill job job done um yeah if you're a smarter player than i yes this teaches you that oh you can parry yeah, boss i messaged you i can't remember did i message you because i i dabbled in speed running but not like professional speed running just how quickly can i do this and i ran from a new profile in a new game to killing papa G or Paul Gascoigne, as I like to call him, in six and a half minutes. So I managed to just basically run through the entire of the first part, get to him, and parry him to death. No, that's... No, no, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Uh, there's something about seeing that second second yeah. phase coming at you that's like, nope, my parry finger's like, Dave, don't do it. Dave, don't do it. I, I think the, the second phase, the biggest thing that it taught me was... If someone comes at you and it's an aggressive thing, if if like that jump thing, if you dodge towards him, yeah, that's what you need. You need to go towards the fight. If you dodge towards him when he's jumping at you, you can just twat him in the, the bloody ass. It's so weird in this game, isn't it? That a lot of it is like I I know in in the chalice dungeons when I I got to one one beastie, you you basically stay still and it'll jump so its head's behind you to hit. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, if you were to, yeah, if you were to try and get out of there, you're gonna get you're gonna lose over half your health in one hit, and it's it's crazy how how aggressive it, the game wants you to be, like it rewards you for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, which is something my brain up until the end is like, Dave, don't do it. It's a trap. Don't do it. Um, I still have that problem of trying to dodge away from stuff like it. Like until my brain went into Monster Hunter mode, it was like, okay. Play this like Souls. If I play this closer to Monster Hunter, I do way better than if I play it like a Souls game. Dodge towards danger. Because the dodge is... Yep, dodge through attacks. The dodge is generous. It's so generous from when that animation starts to when it ends. You've got plenty of time for things to slice through you and go over you and explode. It's, it does a heap of time there. Oh, yeah, they're very generous with iframes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... So yeah, that's uh, Papa G. There are some secrets with Papa G. Like uh, I, I this time I did summon Papa G to help me take out the cleric beast, and that was just embarrassing for the poor cleric beast because 
Father Gascoigne does not I fuck around I, against the clerk. When you said that, I was like, you can summon Papa... I spent the whole game dressed as Papa G because I idolised him, and you're like, oh, you can totally summon him. And I'm like, no, I missed out. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool to be able to summon what you come up against as a boss. There's a really convoluted way to do it, but it's worth it just for the giggles of it. <laughs> so it's how's fun. that? Is that doing it in reversal? If you don't take on the cleric beast first, you get... You get him after you've beat him. Or... You, yeah, you go. No, no, no. You go to Gascoin. Or sorry, you go to Cleric Beast. You die. That gets oh. you insight, so you can summon. Yeah, then right. you go to Papa G. That gets you another one, so you know you can level up or whatever. But once you see Gascoin, you can go back to the Cleric Beast and summon him for the fight. Ah, oh, that's cool. And he well, goes I... just as ham on the Cleric Beast as he does you. <laughs> that's that's oh, genius. Man. Like, like of all of the people, Papa G is the one where you don't meet him for a long time, but you want to kind of like nod, shake his hand, and have a pint with him because he's <laughs> he's awesome. It's such a yeah. mad game though, with such a weird background system that I'm always like, the first time I played this, I don't even remember there being a summon over in this corner. But this time, I must have done something different. Well, or... some of it would will be the old hunters DLC. They went through and added more summon signs. So that might be some of it as well. Um, all right, uh, moving on because we're starting to. Ooh. All right, I don't want to rush it, but uh, next up is the Cathedral Ward, and this is where you go from the funnel of Central Yarnum into this just sprawling paths everywhere. Uh, Cathedral Ward. I hate this place. I get lost in it one hundred percent of the time. My strategy for Cathedral Ward is very simple. If I kill everything without resting, I can explore. So that's generally what happens. I meticulously go through and kill everybody, and then I'm like, okay, where does this path lead? Where does this path lead? Did you guys find Cathedral Ward near as confusing as I do? Mm-hmm. I had I had it lucky on my first run through because you know you can unlock shortcuts. Yes. This was this is where I discovered shortcuts and I accidentally unlocked the shortcuts to get up to the cathedral so oh nice because i ran up like you run around the corner and you see a gigantic like gigantic guy i don't know like a giant dude with a yeah, they're, they're called church yeah. giants yeah yep and i was just like oh well fuck this i'm gonna run that way and before you know it, i'm pulling levers when things are attacking me because i'm just abusing the system so i'll pull that lever and i'm gonna roll that way <laughs> managed to unlock the the shortcuts and that was super fun like i found that super super fun the thing that bugs me about this whole place is there's a dead end and it does normally when you approach a door and it says you know like you need a certain key or it's it's locked there's a door that you can't open but it still lets you interact with it yeah there's there's a ton of speculation about that door um, I, thought there was, supposedly, I thought that door took you down to where you fought the cleric beast, but that's not... A that's what it was... Sub- like, game-wise, uh, people have, like, no-clipped and checked, and that's where oh. it's supposed to go. But really? I guess they changed their mind on that... Oh. Taking that shortcut, because they didn't want you to go... I got a key, and I think I bought it, and I was thinking, I don't even know what this key's for, <laughs> but I, never, I don't think I ever used it. Oh, the, uh, I'm guessing the church key? The church emblem key, or whatever it's called? Maybe, yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's like 10,000 souls or whatever. Uh, see, um, see, that's for that big gate. Oh, okay. Not being a game designer or someone that knows anything, um, 
what would the problem be with getting from where you fought the cleric beast to the bottom of where that chain guy is? Like, uh, if I had to guess, and this is pure speculation on my end, is they didn't want you to go from the cleric beast and follow that trail missing Gascoigne completely. Uh, but if would it also works mi- in reverse... Yeah, if you just... Door doesn't yeah, open from think. the so, side. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, like I don't think they've ever 100% come out and said, this is why it never happened. A lot of people thought, ah, maybe it was going to lead to DLC. I, I don't know. Because, um, like, without the history of Souls, Craig, there are some things in, like, when you first played Dark Souls 2, there's, like, these weird statues in a room, and you're like, I can interact with it. It doesn't do anything. What is this? And you go mad trying to figure out, okay, what do I need? Because, to keep a long story short, they love hiding things. Love I think, hiding I things. I think you're right with this, Dave, because originally the DLC was supposed to be two separate things and then merged into one. And they might have had a little spin-off so. of that or something like that, which was, you know, you know I don't know. But So I yeah, think it, maybe it was a last-minute decision. They could, they mm-hmm. didn't, they just shut it off completely, like boarding up a door. Odd anyway, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it, is, it is weird. Um, Mike, what about you with Cathedral Ward? How do you deal with um, this place? To be honest, I I think the first time around and this time, it was like my most hated, initially most hated enemy popped up, which was the Mr... Mr. Weird got a mask, got a hat, got a potentially a cane, and I'm going to do weird little sexually suggestive faces while pointing at you and stuff. And I sort of thought, yeah, they, oh, God. yeah they, they, they do the Donald Sutherland point and yeah. mouth yell. It's a bit freaky, yeah. that. I don't, I don't... Yeah, what's that, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I think? Yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, they, they really creep me out. I don't know what it is about them. They're like, they're like that Street Fighter free character. Uh... Necro? No, the one with the the one with the funny hat on. The trench coat. Is it Q? Something oh, like Q. Yeah. yeah, they make me think of that a bit. I don't know. It's, it's really weird. But <laughs> yeah, they freak me out. Those guys, and and they're super stupidly strong the first time you come across them. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, you just don't give them a chance to attack ever. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, they weird me out. But the whole the whole area, I thought it was. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, you come all the way down and you can go to that big church where you meet the, um, is it the the knight? I can't remember his name. Oh, Alfred? Like, yeah, yeah. That was that was all pretty cool. The psychopath? Yep. Oh. <laughs> um, you've got, what, the tomb that opens? I can't remember where that led down to. Uh, this is also where you run into your first brain sucker. Um, and that's like your first inkling of, okay, that's weird. Um. I'm a big... This is also generally where all of your NPCs that you gather, you'll collect them to here unless you send them to Oyevska's clinic. Um, I'm a big fan of Floor Bob. That's what I call him. I like him. Floor Bob. He's a nice guy. Oh, yeah. He seem yeah. like a nice guy. He looks horrible. <laughs> but turns out he's not bad guy. I, I beat the shit out of him the first time I saw him because I was like, oh, fuck oh, oh, poor, <laughs> poor Floor Bob. Oh, it's, a, it's a cool... A cool but very creepy looking area. Uh, don't know. It does give off quite a sort of wide-ish sort of range of what's happening. But as we said before, bits blocks off and stuff make you actually go, "Don't know about this place." <laughs> a bit. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I find it's it like, super confusing. I can like. I like it. I even like. You know when you're running along a, a, a corridor and there's a tiny fence and you can see another area 
that you've been at before, oh, but yeah. you can't jump over there. You've been there. Um, I kind of like that. It, it feels like it's interconnected, but in a frustratingly satisfying way. Well, this is the fork as well, isn't it? Because at the very when we're going to closely go into the new area, you get like the. This is the point where I thought, is this the center of the world here? Is this where it branches off? Yeah, same here. It doesn't really, but it, you you get the feeling that's what's going to happen at that point. And Craig, um, I would say, other than Sekiro, which doesn't really traffic in this kind of thing, Bloodborne is the worst for shortcuts. So if you like finding shortcuts that are like, oh, hey, I'm back here. This is great. Uh, Dark Souls is like king of okay. that, especially the first one. It is ridiculous how they interleave their world. It's very cool. Um, Bloodborne, I find most of the shortcuts pretty useless. No, like really? the Forbidden Woods, when you get the the wordlet, what do you call that building with the, the fins and they spin around? Windmill? The windmill. When you get the windmill shortcut, you can escape yes. all of the Forbidden Woods and you just sprint your way down the hill. It's fantastic. To put it into contrast, if this was a Souls game, you'd have like three of those shortcuts through an area that large. So yeah, like like Souls is generally the king of shortcuts. Uh, it's, it's still like like when they do it like like that it's it's great it's wonderful but like in cathedral ward other than opening the gate i didn't find too much use for like you know that uh shortcut where you can drop down and you're about to where the top of the stairs you can run and go do a amelia yeah i think eh, Slugborn uh, does have one of the best transitions but that's connected to one of the parts that we'll mention later it does have one of the best where i went ooh, hang on how the bloody hell have I managed to get here by going through a load of caves? But oh, that's, yes. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what that's, you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. That is Took the one me a that second. Out, yeah. yeah. Apart from that, um, there's not really much of that going on, is there? Uh, all right. So, surprisingly, in a game full of wondrous boss fights and great creature design, we are about to do my favorite. I love Vicar Amelia. Uh, it, it's the moveset, it's the design. I love seeing like all the hair just just everywhere. I love this boss fight so much. Um, yeah. The, the, did the did cut you scene. love this one so much that you decided to avoid the um, advanced version of it in the DLC? Look, I forgot it was there, okay? I forgot. Okay. Um, no, no, he's more like the advanced version of the Cleric Beast. He's not Vicar Amelia. Oh, actually, oh, yeah, yeah. Oops. Just yeah, so there, there, sit down, buddy. Um... I love the scene where you walk in and she's there praying and then you get that cut scene and it doesn't show her transforming. You see the shadow. It's like, oh, I, I love I love this boss fight so much. How do you guys feel about Vicar Amelia? I didn't see that, the cut scene, sadly, because I got there, left the game, and then I think Vicar Amelia was one of the first times you were spectating me, Dave. And I got there again. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then didn't see the cut scene and just like, Tander ass. It's like a big toilet paper dog. Pretty much, yeah. Run about, set her on fire. With antlers. Uh-huh. Um, good design. Like, really good. I This is on my favourite scale of bosses. This is a good boss. Like, a not gigantic, just a big, jumpy, fast boss is my favourite kind of fight in this whole game. So, like, totally, totally pucker. Um, and if you have headphones on, those screams pierce oh, your brain. Yeah. No, that that doesn't do that doesn't do justice. Yeah, it it is very. 
Uh, I think on a design level, she's a little bit of a failure because Amelia teaches you to do something that you don't use for the rest of the oh, game pretty much. I was going to say that. it was good. Oh, well, I mean, it's good at teaching you, but it teaches you something you're not going to use. That's true. It's true. The, um, the numbing, numbing mist. mist. It yeah. teaches you that blocks healing, but like, where else do you use See, that? See, I took that. Don't you use that in PvP? Um, I right. guess, but I mean, I never really interact with I always thought, like, um, Numbing Mist you you use for Vicar Amelia. It wasn't teaching you to use Numbing Mist. It was teaching you that certain items would help you with other bosses. You know what I mean? Like, Okay, I, I can see. Yeah, that's a fair point, too. Or lost on a person who keeps the Magnum and rocket launcher hidden in their chest in Resident Evil. <laughs> what does it matter? <laughs> uh, oh, well. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this fight. Um, it's quite quite a spectacle, isn't it? The cutscene is probably the best bit of it, to be honest. So it's a shame that you missed the bloody thing. Uh, um, this one sticks with you, doesn't it? It's like, ooh, you know. Um, I like the whole sort of like, is it like a wind sort of attack she does by going, holding her hands together and going... Oh, yeah, yes. Double-fisted slam and then that wind comes out. Yeah. It's all quite cool. Yeah, very, very satisfying to dodge. Mm, and... And it brings, let me think, let me think, I'd probably say this is the one which brings in the whole sort of, feels more like a Japanese game again at this point. <laughs> you sort of, you know, the, I guess the first few bosses feel a bit like they're aimed towards a sort of, is it Western? Is that Western market? Is that what we, we class ourselves as? Yes. I guess. So, well, I, mean, uh, I mean, considering feels, where it takes yep. place. And yeah. in West of Belgium. It feels a bit more in the sort of Sekiro sort of wheelhouse sort of thing. I don't know. But yeah. Um, she, she's also, she can be made pretty trivial by breaking her limbs. I mean, I say breaking, it's not like a Monster Hunter break. Sorry, that's just terminology I use. Um, you can, a visceral attack will just drain a good quarter of her life. So if you can get that down, she goes down pretty easy. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know why, I just love that boss so much. Um, here's where we come to the split point. First you get a cutscene that's like, fear the old blood. And you're like, okay, sure buddy. Um, and you have a split. You can go to Old Yarnum. You can go to Hemwick Charnel Lane. You can even go to the Hypogean Jail if you're brave. Um, how? Where, now we have what the walkthrough said, but what about you guys? Like, which way did you splinter at this um, point? I think, and I might be wrong. I think I went to the Hypogean place and then hit Dark Beast Paddle. Good old Carl. What? Dark Beast Carl. Yeah. Um, oh, right. Okay. You. Wow. That's an early attack. I know, right? It's ridiculous, isn't it, Mike? Jeez. I, I watched <laughs> him do it. It's stupid. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. I don't get what I did wrong. I don't get what I did wrong. Uh, you didn't do anything what? wrong. You, in, you, you just took the hard path and then went, oh, okay, so Parl's down now. Let's move on. And you're like, God, oh, how, how did you get Backman then? Did you, did, did, did he, did he shock you? Because he always fucking just pops out of a corner and gets me. I don't know. Oh, I is always, that... I always underestimate just how far that Kung Fu kick is going to come. Mm-hmm. And I just get bapped in the face. Oh, man. It's a, it's a shock the first um, time though. You like, you don't expect a cutscene after dying apart from the, Oh yeah, I know no, it's, it's ridiculous. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I always end up going Hemwick just so I can start using runes. Personally, uh, 
what about you, Mike? Like I at this point, know, where do you normally go? I, w- I always go straight to Aldiano, but uh, wow. the very first time I did that, that was an absolute nightmare. I, I didn't know what I was in for. This time around, I knew all the tracks, but uh, I didn't even know you could go to Henwick Ch- Ch- Chapel. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, uh, Charnel Lane. Yeah, you just just hang a left at the, when you're looking at the cathedral, and there you go. Um, so the guy suggests you go to Old Yarnum first. So Mike, you win the prize. Um, I guess the biggest thing about this is it now turns into a cover shooter. There's a guy named Jura who is sitting on a clock tower. It's like, oi, don't touch the beasts, and you're like, but I have to. They're they're punching me in the face, and so he gets very angry. And so he just starts shooting a minigun at you every time he can see you. And there's some cool stuff going on with you having to, to fight things while you're standing behind cover so you don't get bapped in the back of the head. Um, it's almost an entire new enemy set as well in here, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. You get the, the guys that are scared of fire. Yeah. And you get the little weird knife assassin guys or whatever they are. I don't, I don't know what they're, they're doing. Yeah. They're, they're terrifying. Um. Yeah. Um, I generally football my way through this, but it's like weaving until I get and get to Jura. How do you guys normally tackle this? Are you a methodical kind um, of person? First, first time round, methodical, and I, I hated it. Every other time, football right the way through to you know where someone jumps out of a wall right at the base of the tower. Yes, I do. <laughs> yep, exactly there. That's where I start taking it seriously. So until that point. Right, that's fine. But oh no, it's a cool area. It's it it goes on. You've got so, yeah. I guess the main objective: get up there and take out that bloody gunner because he's a nightmare. But once he's gone, he's gone for good, and this area then becomes a Thank lot more. Thank God. Yeah. Although um, weirdly um, enough, and I always, even getting up there. Yeah, I thought you just ran up to him and single single hit him, and that was it. But then I realized he does put up a nope. bit of a fight. <laughs> but he's very likely to fall off the side of the building if you if you rush him. That's my strategy, is stay alive long enough and he'll jump off. Just stay alive. <laughs> Alright, so... Um, but th- this, leads on to, this leads on to the section which is immortalised by its first ever gameplay reveal, which was uh, pretty much covering the majority of this. Um, you get past that area, you get access to open a few mini shortcuts to take you back and stuff, but... Um, you basically go across through a series of sort of like steamed up areas which all look a bit sort of gothic London style with werewolves hidden around and stuff and uh, you come into this nice little creepy looking village with wolves attached to the sides of the walls and all sorts going on. Bursting out of doors. Trick, and, yeah. A lot of one trick things which you don't really see again. It's just a bit, I don't know, it's a, it's a bit of a shame because it really sticks out to me as a you know quite an iconic bit of the game here. But this this eventually brings you down through the town into a little sort of like a what would you call it like mm, wheat wheat field sort of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, it's almost like an overgrown church front yard. It's yeah, yeah it's really creepy stuff, and the fact that there's stuff hidden in it too makes it even more terrifying. But if you're lucky to get past all of this, you will encounter one. Bloodletting beast, blood-starved beast. Not bloodletting beast. We're That's going Warhammer. So Is that Warhammer? <laughs> well, it's also later on in the game. There's a bloodletting beast. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, blood-starved beast, gentlemen. Uh, this is the boss that is the wet fart for me. 
I love his design. Like the the back skin being looking like a cape, and it, it, it's very cool looking. Um, I he always goes down without a problem for me. Like I've never really had a problem with BSB as we call him. Oh, good, good. I I like the fact that um, I think if this was made in the Demon Souls engine, this would be perfect because the amount of weird whip waggle physics from those flat things on its head would be immense and I'd run, oh, over, great. I'd run over that body all day long they are quite good <laughs> <here. laughs> uh, no, no, he's, he's, he's quite to be honest a lot of people point this as the, the sticking point of the game but where a lot of people give up um, oh really yeah I'm surprised by that first time around it did take me quite a number of times to beat him but this time around maybe two or three so yeah, he gets this quite is, This quite is the only boss his... I'm truly comfortable trying to interrupt. Like, mm. like he's super interruptible for me. Oh, like, definitely. Only yeah, boss yeah. that is so. But those poison attacks and things, you're like, oof, oof. You get, you get one of those. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. You're going to fumble around thinking, why didn't I set up my shortcuts a long time ago? <laughs> 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 yeah. Pretty aggressive. And, uh, super aggressive, yeah. He's so always I'm... screaming and coming at you. How did you find this, Craig? Was it a first time win, or I think it was a second time win because I think he poisoned me to de- like Dave. Did, were you not here for this as well? I can't remember. I've... I don't remember seeing you fight. No, I think it was like a poison death the first time, and then a okay then, and then killed the second time. Also, super weak to Molotovs. Like you can just huck ten Molotovs, and half of his life is gone. Oh God! I wish I'd known that. <laughs> um. Molotovs are a hunter's best friend. So, uh, what the Bloodstarved Beast accomplishes is giving you the best middle finger ever in video games because all you get is a stupid chalice, and then you, being a naive, bright-eyed young hunter, like, well, let's check out these chalices, and then, oh no, oh no, um, I'm not going to talk too much. We'll talk more of the chalices, probably final thoughts, because I think it factors into all of our thoughts. But uh, unanimously, uh, we do not like the hunter, the hunter chalices, the chalice dungeons. Yes, yes. Other than other than from a story point of view. Yes, yeah. I'll I'll give you. There's some story significance there. Absolutely. So it is nice have... that they did make an attempt to try and expand the longevity for. You oh, know. it's a cool experiment. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so as you can see, there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, we're gonna call it here as an end of part one. We may end up going to three parts. We're not quite sure yet. We're all super talkative. So, gentlemen, say goodnight to the fine people, and we'll see them next episode. Good night, you beautiful people. <laughs> Shine on, you crazy diamonds. <laughs> <laughs>